Welcome. Shut my eye out! Please go to 11. Greetings, Starfighter. Hasta la vista, baby. Good morning. 14. Hey, hello, everybody. Welcome to 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And this week, we've got a group of white guys trying desperately to recapture the glory of the 80s and 90s, and another group of more successful white guys doing the same thing. It's the Kids in the Hall show. Aw. I mean, you're not wrong. It just feels bad when you say it out loud. But aw. Aw. Yeah, this week we are going with uh, Kids in the Hall. They just, this last week, had a release of their uh, next eight episodes, which it's been, geez, 20 30 years. years? 30 years? Yeah, that's crazy. So, yeah. Welcome to the Kids in the Hall show. We're crushing your head. Oh, there's going to be a lot of that and that stuff going on. Yes, we're crushing your head. Yeah. So uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can call us at 708-NOW-RAP, 708-669-9727. You can also join the conversation on our Discord by clicking the Join Us link in the show notes, which this afternoon we were talking about knives. We were. I have yeah. a uh, Damascus steel pocket knife that uh, is way too nice for the fact that I just use it to cut open Amazon boxes. It's interesting. Like when I worked at the office and we would get um, packages in, you know, and like, oh, God, where's the box cutter? There's like a, only one box cutter in the whole place. And I pulled the knife out. I'm like, here, I got this. And everybody was like aghast at the fact that I had a knife in my pocket. Yeah, I one time had to pull my pocket knife out for something in a casino when security got called. Yikes. Yeah. Where was that? Vegas. Oh, well, yeah, I mean. And it wasn't even the knife it wasn't even like the buck knife that I normally carry. It was like a like a pen knife. So maybe like a two inch long blade, and they're all like, Oh man, you just carry that around? Why? No. Because knives are an incredibly useful tool to have in your pocket at all times. That's why I have a knife in my pocket. Sometimes you never know when you're going to have to cut a bitch. Yeah, as like right now. Yeah. We also, uh, it seems like the Evil Dead game came up at least once. <laughs> <laughs> I know the review showed up a couple times. Yeah. It's funny, back in the Hobbytown days, uh, my pocket knife was so illegal and I was constantly opening boxes of board games with a switchblade. Yeah. That's funny. I, I still have the switchblade that I confiscated off of a dude in one of the bars I worked at. It's nice. It's pearl handled and everything. It's real nice. Oh, that is, that nice. is nice. Yeah, mine was smuggled over from Germany. I'm not actually sure where it is. Probably right. in the garage. Germany? It's in Europe. <laughs> I appreciate that. All right, we don't have any listener feedback this week, so shame on you. Ah, damn it. I know. In the meantime, we have the question of the week, which is, what are some things you hated as a child but enjoy now? Anal sex. I was just going to say that. Damn it. (laughs) Thank you, everybody. That's it for the show tonight. Yep, time time to fold it up. (laughs) Bake them away, toys. That's a good (laughs) run. Um... 
You're fast on the draw, Patrick. Damn it. <laughs> God, what? Yeah, that's a good question. Hated as a kid, but enjoy now. Onions? I had a bunch of those, and I think some of them have come up on the show before. Uh, the one that comes to mind first for me was corn, because uh, my mom corn wasn't used... around when you were a kid. <laughs> 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 yeah, not, not the band, the food. The food, oh, yes. Yeah. My uh, and I, I still don't like the band, but yeah, my mom would just serve. My mom would just serve uh, creamed corn or canned corn, and I didn't like it uh, until the first time I had corn on the cob. I was like, wait a minute, this food isn't disgusting. Well, if you're starting out with cream corn, that's a bad place to start. I love creamed corn, but it's got to be made right. Yeah, that's the thing. is It's canned cream corn and canned corn. Yeah. I, yeah. I also didn't like any sort of chili because it was bad. Now it's like my signature dish. This chili tastes bad. And, and one thing that I, I didn't like uh, as a kid or even as an adult, I, I didn't start liking until like a couple months ago. Uh, was green olives. At least uh, I, I can tolerate them now if they're stuffed with blue cheese. Mm. What about what about yes. jalapenos? I have not tried them with jalapenos, but I almost kind of feel like the blue cheese olives may have been the gateway. Yeah, kind of like you have your first sort of beer and it, it eases you into more complicated beers. Okay. I might be able to branch out now. That sounds good. I'm trying to think things that I didn't like. That I mean, one one big thing is like tomatoes. Growing up, oh, I hated tomatoes. That's a good one. That's a good one. Like Same one tomatoes on a on a burger. Nope, not not having in that. Now, I will make um, sliced beef steak tomatoes. Sprinkle salt on them to de- dehydrate them a little bit, and then grill them for breakfast every now and then with some basil. That's pretty good. Uh, you know, I'll little cherry tomatoes ones that like pop in your mouth when you bite them mm-hmm. those are good you know i i to the point where like my grandfather used to get mad at me because we would go to the restaurant and i'd eat i literally everything on my plate because he was a big eat everything type of guy yeah and i would eat literally everything all the way down to the the friggin sprig of uh uh whatever the hell they put on it for garnish parsley like, fuck it yeah, a little thing of parsley i'd eat that and I'd have a slice of tomato left. Like, Why aren't you eating that tomato? Because I don't like tomatoes. What's wrong with tomatoes? I don't like them. Why aren't you eating them? Like, I literally ate everything. Everything. (laughs) Leave the (laughs) damn tomato alone. I don't want to. I don't want to. Yeah, I was the same way. Tomatoes is a a solid answer. I I think part of it was due to a joke I was told (laughs) when I was a, a kid. The, uh, the 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 whorehouse tomato joke. Oh yeah, and uh, it grossed me out at the time, and so you know didn't didn't want to didn't want to eat them. Kind of like eggs. I wasn't a big egg fan either. But uh, yeah, tomatoes. Now I I literally eat them at least five days a week, sometimes more. Wow. Because um, uh, I, I I eat them on my sandwiches. I don't like them plain. Like, like Laura will eat them. Like she'll have a potato she'll, or a tomato. She'll cut it up. She'll put, you know, some seasoning on it and then just eat it as a snack. I can't do that though. I got to have it on something else. Hmm. Yeah. I can, I can do them just by themselves, but they have, they can't be 
That's really like, what do they call them though? The really weird looking tomatoes? The heirloom? Heirloom tomatoes. Yeah. If I eat them raw, they're going to be heirloom tomatoes or, or they're going to be little cherry tomatoes, but I can't, I can't do like, I have to cook them. Oh, I love cherry tomatoes on salads. Like, oh yeah. I love, I love them on there. I see. I don't like the gushy stuff on the inside of tomatoes still, but like aroma tomato that is almost all flesh. I'll, I'll yeah. have that. Those are tasty. Yeah. That's what I eat on my sandwiches. I only eat Roma tomatoes on my sandwiches. I eat the like the beefsteak ones or the the bigger ones on salad. Like I'll cut, but I'll cut them really fine. Yeah, I, I think you and I have the same texture thing, probably with the the gushy stuff in the other kinds of tomatoes. Yep, absolutely. What about, wait, did we already ask Patrick? Yeah, I I'm afraid he's going to go back to that. Uh, I fell asleep during the tomato conversation. <laughs> Fuck off! It's <laughs> gripping stuff. <laughs> I'd, I'd have to go with onions. I used to hate onions, and now, you know, once I started cooking, I'd learned how much they affect everything. Oh, too. man. Onions, everything. I don't care. Yep. I put them in just about everything. Yep. Same. If you're starting to get bored with a type of meat, just add onions. Mm-hmm. True. And, like, now I have, like, I pretty much always have, like, a tub of caramelized onions just sitting in my fridge waiting to be put on anything. Nice. Spice up your bedroom. Get some onions. Okay. I wore an onion on my belt. As was the style at the time. I'm thinking it's about that time. (laughs) This week in music, movies, and TV. And corn. All right. So this week we're going with October 16th. 1988, the premiere of the first episode of Kids in the Hall. Welcome to the Corn and Tomatoes show. <laughs> I want to sing the, the song I was singing earlier now. Not the corn <laughs> one, the other one. Nobody will understand. Anyway, all right, music. The top song in the land was Red Red Wine by UB40. And I, I, I do be 40. Okay, here's two trivia about that one. Okay. Who who originally sang Red Red Wine? Neil Diamond. Neil Diamond. I was going to say you've told us this before but I couldn't remember who it was. What is you what is UB40? It's actually a specific thing. It's a ship from World War II. It's like an unemployment form. It's like yeah, an unemployment right. form, isn't it? Joel's right. It's Oh, like, darn it. Uh, it stands for Unemployment Benefits 40. It's the form that you fill out in Great Britain when you get a when you don't no, have a job. You too is what I was thinking of. Damn. It's not an old, <laughs> old wooden ship, Patrick. <laughs> well, when in Rome. <laughs> I ate a red squirrel. <laughs> All right, moving on. So on October 17th, the Traveling Wilburys released their debut album, Volume 1, featuring the single Handle With Care. The supergroup included Roy Orbison, Bob Dylan, George Harrison, Jeff Lynn, and Tom Petty. Yep, one of the supergroups definitely worthy of the name. Right. Now, can either of you that is not Patrick tell me which band Jeff Lynn was in? Oh, I should know this. ELO. There you go. Uh I wasn't sure. I figured one of you would get it. I knew Patrick would, but I wanted to see which one. What was it? I I actually didn't hear what Mike said. Oh, ELO. ELO. Oh, shit. Okay, yeah, I should have known that. Well, what yeah, does ELO uh, stand for? 
Electric, oh, electric light, light orchestra. orchestra. There we go. I feel okay, got to throw some softballs every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's the other thing. Was it actually volume one or did they start with volume three? Oh, no, no, no. They skipped two. They went from one to three. <laughs> it's like Leonard part six. Yeah. Uh, no, well, with less raping. What, was, version of, what, you did, what movie did you see? Well, Leonard Part 6 was Bill Cosby, so I'm just assuming uh, there was less raping on this set. Okay, moving on. Oh, I see what you're doing there. Okay, yeah, let's move on, please. All right. Because <clears throat> there's not Edward, none on the other one is my point. <sighs> Edward James Sun House Jr. was an American Delta Blues singer and guitarist noted for his highly emotional style of singing and slide guitar playing. He turned to blues performance at the age of 25 after being in the traveling preacher scene. He quickly developed a unique style by applying the rhythmic drive, vocal power, and emotional intensity of his preaching to his short career. Charlie Patton, the foremost blues artist of the Mississippi Delta region, invited him to accompany him to a 1930 recording session for Paramount Records. The records did not sell due to the Great Depression. Locally, House remained popular, and he was a formative influence on Robert Johnson and Muddy Waters. In 1941 and 42, House and the members of his band were recorded by Alan Lomax and John K. Work for the Library of Congress. He recorded several albums, and some informally taped concerts have also been issued uh, as albums. House died in 1988. In 2017, his single, which is also the acronym of the week, PTV. Well, I'm pretty sure that stands for Pleasing the Booty. <laughs> coming back around there. Things he didn't oh. like as a kid. Going back to Patrick's youth. I thought for sure it was going to be a I, Patrick thing. I can't believe you finally got one right. <laughs> for blues, I might have. <laughs> no, it's actually preaching the blues. Oh. Preaching oh. the blues, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so his single, Preaching the Blues, was included, or I'm sorry, was inducted into the Blues Hall of Fame in 2017, just to circle back. All right, moving on to movies. The number one movie in the land was The Accused, starring Jodie Foster and a pinball machine, knocking off Alien Nation. Patrick. (laughs) Patrick, go to your corner. Oh, fine. Also released this week, Bat 21 is a 1988 Vietnam War film directed by Peter Markle and starring Gene Hackman, Danny Glover, and Jerry Reed. The film is a dramatization based on a, a behind enemy lines rescue. What, Patrick? What? You were going to say something more about the pinball? No, I just, okay. all I said was okay. worth it. That's all. Okay. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen Bat 21. I have not either. I haven't either. I've heard of it, but never seen it. I don't know if I've ever heard of it. Mike? I have heard of it. I have not seen it. Yeah. Clean sweep. Yep. Let's do a show. But All right. seriously, Gene Hackman and Jerry Reed, how could you go wrong? Bat 21 versus the Batman. 21. <laughs> All right. Benita Gloria Granville Rather was an American actress and producer. Granville began her career on the stage at age three, making her film debut in Westward Passage. She rose to prominence for her role in These Three, which earned her an Academy Award nomination at age 14. Her prominence continued with the Nancy Drew film series and roles in Now Voyager and Hitler's Children. Yikes. 
She also worked as a philanthropist and businesswoman, most notably owning and operating the Disneyland Hotel with her husband. She was appointed to the John F. Kennedy Center Board of Trustees by President Richard Nixon in 1972 and for another term by President Ronald Reagan in 1982. In addition to her Oscar nomination, Granville received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in 1960 for her contributions to the film industry. Granville died on October 11th, 1988 of lung cancer at the age of 65. She and her husband were posthumously named Disney Legends in 2011. The Bonita Tower and the Granville Steakhouse at Disneyland were both named in her honor. Very cool. Wow. I learned a lot in that. I'd never even heard of this woman before. Hmm. She was instrumental in Disney. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, the name name rings a bell, but I don't I had no idea until you Josh read all that. Anything more did, about her other than the name. Did you eat at that steakhouse, Mike, on your honeymoon? Oh, good question. Uh I didn't go to Disneyland. Oh, you went to, to Disney, Disney World? World. Yeah. Oh boo. Oh. Right. So did you eat there? <laughs> Flew out there just to eat. <laughs> <laughs> I want a steak. We only have steak in Disneyland. I'll be right back. <laughs> Bought a ticket, flew there, had a steak, came back. All right. Suzanne's like, you could have taken me. <laughs> you like steak? Um, okay, so TV, top shows in the land were The Cosby Show, Roseanne, A Different World, and Cheers. And Guess which one of those led with the most rapes? <laughs> oh, my God. Cheers. As soon as he said Cosby. <laughs> I was like, here we go. Yeah. Oh, Lord, he coming. <laughs> but nobody knew. Here's his nope. wheelhouse. Until recently. <laughs> All right. On October 17th, Roseanne, starring Roseanne Barr, John Goodman, and Laurie Metcalf, premiered on ABC. And it's so no funny more? that like the other two actually ended up outshining her on that show. Like it's, it's named after Roseanne, but like Goodman and Metcalf were the stars of that show by the end of it. Oh, for sure. And still are. Yeah, well, now, they, yeah. now they're the only stars. If you'd like to know more, you can go back. <laughs> we did a Roseanne show, didn't we? No. Did we? No. no. Did we? I, don't, we just, I think it's no, on the not. list, yeah. Oh. I believe it is on the list, yes, but we have not actually done a show yet. Huh. All right, so on October 20th, Congress approved legislation to limit the amount of advertising on children's programs and present more shows with educational value for kids. I was waiting for more. I know, that's it. Like, you know, because. Well, I mean, this was kind of landmark because, like, the 1980s cartoons that were basically half hour commercials, when they. I don't want to say outlawed, but made these guidelines. It warped TV for a few years. I mean, we were raised on, you know, commercialized cartoons. Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, so there's no, there's no wonder that we value having a collection of stuff. Whereas, you know, the present day kids, like they don't really give a rip about having a physical representation of what they love. We talked about that in quite a bit. And well, on the He-Man show, we talked about how that was a, a cartoon based on a toy line, not the other way around. Yep. 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 Are all also Wayland Parrot Flowers Jr. 
is a great name. <laughs> was an American actor, comedian, and puppeteer. Uh-oh. Oh. Best known for the comedy act he created with his puppet, Madame. Madam. Madam. Madame. 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 Uh, Damn it, you, you actually made me, you made me spit on myself. <laughs> <laughs> performances as... Madame. Madame. Sorry. Wayland Flowers and Madam were a major national success on stage and on screen in the 70s and 80s. The character of Madame was an outrageous old broad who entertained with double on ton, double on burritos and really comebacks. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> double entendres. Entendres. Double entendres and witty comebacks. Flowers' first big break was an appearance on the Andy Williams show, and other appearances included Laugh In, Solid Gold, Solid gold. Jeez, I haven't thought about that for decades. Right? <laughs> Keep on trucking. Madam's Place. They met a whole show just about a puppet. And a long run on yeah. the game show, Hollywood Squares, where they've replaced Paul Lind. What? <laughs> yep. Jim what is Jay this Bullock travesty? <laughs> uh, Flowers and Madame were in the center square of the final NBC episode of Hollywood Squares in June 1980. Host Peter Marshall asked Madame about the final game question in the daytime series. Flowers was one of the first mainstream entertainers who was openly gay. Sometime during his four-year stint on Solid Gold, Flowers was diagnosed with HIV. He eventually developed Kaposi's sarcoma, an AIDS-related cancer. On October 11th, Flowers died of complications from AIDS-related Kaposi's sarcoma at the age of 48. Madame lived long and prosper to be in. Yeah, actually, game the, an, another ventriloquist came along, you know, uh, what about okay. 10 years ago and kind of resurrected Madame. I really? think mm-hmm. I know what she looks like. It's got, she's got that, like a huge chin, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. She's got like a, like a evening gown thing on her yeah. head. Yeah, like, like yeah, a, with a feather on it. Okay. I yeah. Know exactly oh, okay. And, a, yeah. and a boa. Yeah. And, you know, she like, like, one of her favorite famous jokes was always, you know, her, she talks about always wearing her summer diamonds, like summer diamonds, summer not. <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. So get it. Yeah. That's, Got it. That's yeah. madam. And also, yeah, in case you were wondering, um, Waylon Smithers was named and modeled after Waylon Flowers. Oh, did not know that. I did yep. not know that. That is some quality trivia. Yeah. Yeah. All right, moving on to sports. Sports. On October 20th, the Los Angeles Dodgers completed one of the greatest upsets in MLB World Series history when they completed a 5-2 victory over the Oakland Athletics, winning the World Series title in five games. Oral Hershiser became the only, only the third player to win the MVP honors in both the League Championship Series and the World Series. The win gave the Dodgers their first World Championship since 1981, becoming the only team to win more than one title in the 1980s. Hmm. Yep, that's all there is to say about that. And Ajaz Yunus Patel, born October 21st, is a New Zealand cricketer who plays for the Central Districts in domestic cricket. Patel is a slow left-arm orthodox spin bowler who was formerly a left-arm seam bowler. He made his international debut for the New Zealand cricket team in October 2018. The following month, he made his test debut for New Zealand, taking five wickets in the second inning. In May 2020, New Zealand Cricket awarded him with a central contract. 
In December 2021, in the second match against India, Patel became the third bowler in Test cricket to take all 10 wickets in an inning. Jim Laker and Anil Kumble were the others, in case you were wondering. Oh. Yeah. I was. There you go. And that's going to do it for this week's Twee. Play us off, keyboard Joel. Ha-na-ha-ha-ha. All right, so it's 1988, and The Kids in the Hall has just been released. It is a TV series of the Canadian sketch comedy troupe that, more often than not, puts bizarre, unique, and insane twists in their skits. That's putting it lightly. Uh, so back then, Bruce McCullough and Mark McKinney were working together in Calgary, performing in a group called The Audience. Norm Hiscott, Gary Campbell, Frank Van Keegan were co-members and later became writers on the show. At this, But at the same time, Dave Foley and Kevin McDonald's, McDonald's, wow, I'm hungry, uh, <laughs> were performing around Tor- Toronto along with Luciano Casimiri as Kids in the Hall. The two pairs met into Toronto, began performing together as Kids in the Hall with a rotating band of members, including Paul Bellini, for a short time. And then when Scott Thompson was invited to join in 85, the group had... It's you know, final form. Final form, yes. Uh, debuted on HBO and CBC television in 1988 and became a re- regular weekly series on both by 89. Uh, 89 on HBO, it premiered in July, and uh, the first three seasons were on HBO before it eventually moved to CBS in 93, where it stayed for two more seasons, airing late Friday nights for some reason. Uh, CBC aired the show for the whole duration of its run. Uh, The group's 88 to 95 series won a number of awards, including the 93 Rose Dior and the Gemini Award for Best Comedy Series was also nominated for various other awards, including the Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Writing in a Variety Series in 93, 94, and 95. They also received a star on Canada's Walk of Fame and won the Canadian Screen Icons Award in 2019. Are those Walk of Fame, is that like in front of Tim Hortons or what? (laughs) I don't know, probably in front of a hockey rink for all I know. Eh? in Toronto. So the stars Dave Foley playing various characters, <laughs> Bruce McCullough, Kevin McDonald, Mark McKinney, and Scott Thompson as the core members. There's also uh, Bellini, who is the guy in the towel. Yep. Who shows ah. up. Yeah. I didn't know his name. Yeah. It's, he's been uh, around since the old days. Yeah, he's been around for a long while. And it was, I was watching this, and it's funny because Suzanne, halfway through a uh, Kevin McDonald sketch, Suzanne's like, why do I know that guy's voice? Like, <laughs> How would you not? He's done so many voiceovers. Well, I mean, yeah, he, he does a lot of voice acting, but for us. Vader Zim? Nope. Completely oh. from Lilo and Stitch. Oh, I thought she was. Yep, that's that's big. That's a big one for a lot of people because I mean, bigger than Invader Zim anyway. Oh yeah, he was one of the tall ones in Invader Zim. Yep, Bruce McCullough. Also, he did uh, stuff f- for a show called Dog Park, and um, 
young drunk punk. You know, they all did their super you know, drunk. Oh, super. <laughs> That's different. That is, but. that is that is later on. Dave Foley, who uh, also did the voice of Flick in The Bug's Life. And it was also in The Wrong Guy. And for some reason, he did played Uncle Dave in the movie Postal. And we did a show with him already. News Radio. News yeah. Radio. He's on News oh. Radio. Oh, that's right. He's a main character. Yeah. Uh, Mark McKinney, who I think is hilarious. He was also uh, in Night at the Roxbury, a show called Slings and Arrows. And uh, was also Glenn from Superstore. Ah, such a good character. Such a good show. Yeah. Made me uh, love him again. Yeah. Yep. And then Scott Thompson went on to do things like direct the movie The Pacifier, starring Vin Diesel. I did not know that. Yep. Uh, He was also in some episodes of Reno 911. And did several voices as Grady in The Simpsons. So yeah, you've all seen you've seen all these guys at one point or another. Yeah, yeah, primarily together because they've had a long and storied career with specials and the series and the movie and yeah, we'll get to the, the movie follow up series and the new series and yeah, yeah. So trivia. Troop took their name from a line that comedian Sid Caesar always said after telling a joke that did not go well. I got that one from the kids in the hall, referring to the <laughs> aspiring joke writers that were always hanging around outside of his office. That's funny. Yeah. And Joel, this is for you. <gasps> Kurt Cobain, the late lead singer of Nirvana, was a big kids in the hall fan and good friends with Scott Thompson. Following his death, his Seattle manager sent Scott a picture of Kurt when he was seven years old. Scott, as Buddy Cole, burned this picture on the final episode of Kids in the Hall during the Buddy's Bar Closes sketch. Oh. I uh, I wanted to watch the last episode, and I, I just totally spaced on it today because there was a couple things that happened in it that I'd heard about. I had not heard that, though. That's yeah. good trivia. Is this a first viewing for any of us? Nope. I wouldn't think so. Patrick? I mean, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I saw that coming. I could have sworn you uh, had uh, linked some random uh, sketches to... I mean, like, I'm familiar with some of their sketches, and I'm familiar with, like, you know, their most popular stuff, but I'm not, like, by any stretch a big fan. It's it's funny if you look, I mean, if you kind of dig into them at all, how many people like in say they've influenced them. And what's funny is that as soon as I started watching it, because I haven't watched the original series in a long time and being older and having, you know, spend a lot more time with some things. The first thing that came to my head into my head, especially when you see a, a, a Helen skit, you know, 30 Helens agree. Yes. I was like, this is essentially like the Canadian Monty Python for all intents and purposes. It's that same similar type humor. Um, and, and I, I felt like it. it was certainly what they were going for. Definitely. Yeah. And like they, that, you know, no real aim to the th- sketches and they always seem to end on an end non sequitur. 
And sometimes they're pretty damn depressing topics, but they, you know, they're still. And yeah. Them. And lots of absurdity and lots of guys in women's clothes and women's wigs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although that's actually where they differ the most, because I kind of feel like uh, with Python, uh, often the women or the guys who are dressed as women were the gag where in kids in the hall, whenever they're playing women, they're just women characters. Like this is a guy who's portraying a woman is almost never the joke with kids in the hall. Whereas Graham Chapman in a dress was always the joke. Yes. That's a very good point. Like it's almost like more of a Shakespearean thing out of necessity rather than, or out of, you know, just, we need a female character. What are you going to do? All right. Scott dress up in a, in a dress. Yeah. Cause Python did have women they could call on if they really wanted to. Mm-hmm. The Connie Brittany. Right. Yeah. And then, uh, uh, there were two. Carol, Carol, yeah, Carol something. Why can't, yeah. yeah. Spinny. No, that's, that's big bird. Sorry. <laughs> that's Carol O'Connor. No, nope. yeah, that's different that's too, but I, I would watch bunker. that. Carol Burnett. Nope. That was actually a woman. Carol Cleveland. There we go. Thank you. Like that? Didn't even look it up. Just popped in my head. Um, Carolina on my mind. I Jack. remember starting to watch this in junior, senior year of high school and loving it, especially the crushing your head thing. And crushing your head. Crushing your head. You have a head like a cabbage. It deserves to be crushed. Um, and then going to school the next day and being like, oh, yeah, crushing your head. And I crush your head. And apparently I'm the only person in school that watched that. <laughs> <laughs> People were just like, the hell are you doing, Tusky? Crushing your head. I mean, the Canadian thing. skit comedy. Well, I mean, there was, again, there was teachers, only Teachers are all, well, the, the Tusky kids being weird again, writing you in the journal. <laughs> and something new for the journal, Tusky Kid is doing this today. But no, I I love the the complete absurdity of this one. I mean, just the the hard left turn that just about every sketch takes, like the one where um, they find the uh, stray businessman. Oh, I love that sketch. Yeah. with Bruce. I've, yeah, I I found I found him outside. I wanted to. Oh, you're not bringing in another stray, and it's a businessman, and he comes in like is handing out his business card, and I finally you know goes through this whole ridiculousness of having this businessman, stray businessman, as a dog. They're camping out, you know, taking him for martinis and that sort of thing. And then at the end, it's like you have to send him back into the wild, so he takes him downtown. And he finds other businessmen, and they all hail a cab and get into a cab and drive off together. But then the mom at the end, oh, I found this one at the pet store for you. Oh, it's so cute. And he reaches in the box. It's cooked oatmeal. Yes. And he, I'm just like, he puts the oatmeal on his shoulder. Oh, he likes me. It's just like, I, I'm not sure if it was a planned smack upside the head or if it was kind of the, we don't know how to end this. I, little column A, little column B. I Probably. also like how they would kind of insert themselves into the skit. So it wasn't a character. It was actually them in the skit. Um, And, you know, I mean, it's one thing where you're sitting there and you're talking to each other like we are now. And that's just like a, a, a segue. It's a different thing where you actually write a skit and you insert yourself as a character in the skit. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, they just didn't seem to have any real boundaries as far as 
what they're gonna uh, say or do, which sometimes I feel at least now is a little hard to watch, like the use of the, the F word and not fuck, not the, not, not the other F word, the one that, you know, Scott could get away with, um, or the blackface. There was a, there's quite a bit of blackface, which was a little shocking. Please tell me somebody else saw either one of those things happen. Well, I've seen Scott Thompson say "fag" several times, but I've never. Yeah. I didn't. I had a whole song Black about Mason. it. <laughs> had a whole song about it. Run, run, fag, and run. I uh, missed that one. But yeah, there's a spe- specific skit in one of the last episodes I watched uh, yesterday, uh, where Scott's uh, the uh, um, Dave brings him home, and Dave dresses a woman. And he brings Scott home as his boyfriend, and he's in blackface and he's telling you know, that my parents, you know, they're not going to like you or, you know, be aware that they're kind of closed minded. And his parents are totally cool and they're nice about it. And they're, you know, super sweet. They really love him. And, but Dave's character keeps like, I can't believe you said that mom, you know, and they're not even doing anything. They're being good parents. Uh, and she runs off to, uh, to leave. And she said, she's going to go to like the bad part of town. And they're like, have you ever been there? And he's like, no, I wouldn't go there. <laughs> You know, that was kind of the punchline, but yeah, he was in, he had blackface on the whole thing. So I think I'm picking something up from uh, Patrick's reaction to this. What you got? (coughs) Uh, I'd like to hear from him because uh, he made a prediction at the top of the show. Yeah, he's, he's been kind of quiet. I mean, as I said, I, I, I've never really watched these shows because I'm not really a big fan of these guys. I mean, I know I'm familiar with them. I've seen stuff they've done. I've never seen any of their movies, so I don't know like what their you know what their long form comedy is like. But I mean, I just I don't know. I don't I don't find them funny. I don't I don't really enjoy them. I mean, it, like they get some like chuckles out of me here and there they might be get a laugh but i mean you compare them to monty python and like i watch monty python knowing the jokes are coming still laughing still whatever these guys i don't know what it is about them. they just don't they don't do it for me i don't i i i'm if i was forced to pinpoint it i'd have to i mean i don't know i don't really know what it is it's just it feels to me kind of like they're trying too hard almost See, you made a prediction, and your prediction is incorrect because I agree with almost everything you just said. Oh, wow. Oh. I've never been a fan of Kids in the Hall, despite the fact that I appreciate I appreciate them, but they usually don't make me laugh. For me, they are 80% not funny, but the 20% where they are funny uh, fucking kills. So give me an example of where they kill. Uh, there was a sketch uh, where there's a bunch of construction workers and the new guy's trying to figure out how he can make money without working. And there's this whole bit about how they injure themselves to get on uh, workers comp. And one of the guys uh, like uh, is obviously like he's hit himself with a hammer uh, too many times. And they have him like try to injure him and he nearly kills him. Got that it. whole sketch had me rolling. 
And I appreciate that they're going to push the boundaries. Like Joel said, is like they don't have any rules. They just make sketches about things that no one else would think to. But it's because they're so far pushing the envelope. For me, a lot of the bits didn't land. Uh, but I'm like, I'm glad they're out there doing their thing. Because once, when things work, they really work. Yeah, but- and you need you need things like this in comedy, you know, like you said, pushing the envelope, pushing the boundaries in order to grow comedically as a culture, as a, you know, you know, just as, as a body of work, you know, they're, they're necessary for, you know, for experimentation. You always need something like that. I would say the, the one, um, the, the one skit that I enjoyed a lot was, uh, the one called the asshole where Kevin McDonald is, you know, working in a, in a little restaurant and they got, they're getting ready to go to a movie and one guy brings in his oh, yeah. friend. Yeah. And he's just like this passive aggressive asshole the whole time. And Kevin McDonald ends up going off on him and it's a pretty fun rant. It, it kind of like, uh, is it one of my favorite skits of theirs is where, uh, Kevin is there with Dave and they're talking about a movie that Dave had seen the night before. And Dave keeps like, he's like, I can't think of it. It's this movie about this guy. He's got this sled. It's called Rosebud. And Kevin's like, Citizen Kane. He's like, no, yeah. no, that's not Orson it. Wells is in it. Yeah. And they just keep going until he stabs him. And that's the kind of thing that, I, you know, that's that's my wheelhouse. Like the, the kids in the hall. And we'll get more into it with the, the modern era kids in the hall. They, they're 100% in my wheelhouse now. Whereas here they were like 75% in my wheelhouse. Uh because, you know, I like things that are a little absurd, but I agree. There are some times where I just enjoy watching it and experiencing it, but I don't necessarily find it funny. I always like Chicken Lady. The, my, the one where the, the, bearded, the bearded woman and Chicken Lady go to the strip club. I don't remember that one. Oh, they keep throwing her off the stage. Good Lord. No, I don't remember that. Oh, one. yeah. She's like, I've got dollars. <laughs> did you see what I did? And the and the bearded uh who plays a bearded woman? Uh Mark McKinney. No, 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 not Mark McKinney. Uh Bruce McCullough plays a bearded woman. And it's they're like threatening the other people other uh, women in there, and finally they have the what is what is it? Her favorite was Tarzan. Oh, Tarzan. Mm, Tarzan's coming out. And then they switch it to the rooster, and the guy comes out dressed up as a rooster and she just explodes. <laughs> it's I I like the absurdist of it. I like the hard left turn. I like I I hate to say I'm on it with I'm with Joel on this one, but I laughed a lot in watching the old shows. And I watched the la- the last episode uh which really carries over into the first of the new episodes too. Like like directly carries into it. Um now I wish I'd seen it. Oh. I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, cause it's a, kind of a, it's a, at the very last show, they close it up and they go to the businessmen and they're like, ah, well, that's the end of that. You know, this is, a, we're going to close it all up. It's done. The show's over. The guys kind of like do their little wave. They march outside, lay down in an open grave. And, um, uh, what's his name? The guy in the towel, oh, Bellini, Bellini yeah. is driving a backhoe and he dumps dirt all over him. <laughs> And they bury him and they have a tombstone. Oh, no, they don't know. No, the businessmen bury him. And then Bellini shows up with a one lily and is dancing on their grave. Hmm. 
So that's the last episode. But the first first episode of the new one, they dig him up and they're all wearing the same outfit. And Bellini is the one in the backhoe digging him up. And he's like, well, you asked for it. You know, that's very cool. Yeah. What's what's funny, though, is that, you know, in between then and now, there's been, of course, the movie. Um, There's been a bunch of specials that they had. And then there was a series in 2010. called death death comes to town i believe yeah death comes to town is about uh, a murder in a small town where somebody murders the mayor of a small town it's like seven eight episodes yeah uh brain candy is the movie that that they did that also has a uh a lead into the new to the new episode yeah to the new season i mean um brain candy is definitely a niche comedy movie it's very divisive like some you either love it or you hate it there's not a lot of middle ground yeah it, it's it's a commentary on a comedy commentary comedy about big pharma not vetting their drugs before they release them to the public so it's i don't know patrick i'm, I'm assuming you haven't seen it and i'm also going to assume you're never going to seek it out and watch it <laughs> both, both correct yes so they this company's on the verge of uh, bankruptcy, and wait, they discover this one drug. Wait a that, minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Is this the, the? I may have seen this. Is this the one where it opens up and like the the family comes over to visit their grandmother, and they're all yeah. just horrible people? But she's taking a pill that makes her feel like this is the best. I've no, no, no. That, that that's her best memory. They all come in. Yeah. And like, he comes in, takes one shot. Yeah, we gotta leave, Ma. We'll talk to you later. And she gets stuck reliving that over and over in her head because it. Yeah, because that's her best memory. Yeah, I've seen. Yeah. I, I've seen that movie. I, I don't know why I saw it, but I've seen it. Well, that's an, that's that's amazing. Yeah, right. That's crazy. I can't understand that there's something like that that you would watch. <laughs> what the but, hell? Interestingly, uh, Siskel and Ebert, when they went to review uh, this, they got into an argument about whether it was good or not. <laughs> I think maybe I might have just only seen that opening scene and then flip flip channels because I don't remember anything more about the movie. So, do you know which was on which side of that argument? Yes, uh, Siskel gave it three and a half stars and uh, uh, predicted that it would become a midnight cult film. And Ebert said he didn't laugh once and thought it was awful. That tracks. Yeah, that that follows through. And they, you know, he was right because it, it really did become a uh, a cult classic. That had no laughs, so well, <laughs> they were both right. <laughs> well, and what's interesting? Well, and, and if you if if uh, for those of you who haven't seen it yet, if you watch the like Mike was saying, if you watch the new series, you know they directly reference it. Um, yeah, and, they, uh, yeah. Well, we'll talk yeah, about it. Yeah, I was gonna say it. let's we'll uh, hold yeah. off on that for the second half. I I mean I've seen the movie and I've seen it I think twice. And it, it didn't ever hit me like the series did, at least aspects of the series. But I kind of want to revisit it now and see whether with, you know, an older me, if there would be more to appreciate uh, in it. Well, I will say, uh, as, a, as a, somebody who's watching this for the very first time, something that I noticed while watching it that kind of bothered me. And I don't know if it really affected my viewing, but I definitely noticed it. Hmm. Um is the studio audience as they're as they're recording these things 
it feel it felt like it was just full of a bunch of fanboys and stuff like that of theirs because they were literally la- I mean you could tell it wasn't a laugh track but they were literally laughing at almost every single line and I'm like even the setup lines that weren't jokes they were laughing at like a guy like the guy walks in and says one line hi man what's up and they start laughing I'm like that wasn't even like a funny line what are you laughing at so I felt like it was almost like they had an audience full of people that were trying way too hard to make sure everybody knew that they were being funny. Well, they were Canadians, so they were being polite. Ultra polite, yeah. Like, is that what you do in a Canadian comedy club? You laugh even if you don't think it's funny? You just... <laughs> yes. That's why there's so many Canadian Canadian comedians. Because they all think I'm great. Oh, I must be doing great. Everybody's laughing. Eh? Eh? Yeah. Um, I liked I liked Brain Candy. I thought it was ridiculous. I thought it was you know, like off the wall. I like the adding of the uh, characters, like the, the, um, the gypsy uh, taxi driver. Will you get out of my cab? They, he winds up throwing everybody out of his cab. The gypsy taxi driver, Bellini okay, yeah, shows I, up for a little I while. I definitely did not finish watching that movie. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's a no. bad time. But no, I enjoy it, and it's uh, free on you know free on YouTube. It's on actually on the Kids in the Hall uh, uh, YouTube page. So go check well, it out. Well, now there. that they've broken even, you know, let's see. You can show it. Yeah, right. <laughs> I I do find it interesting that we again seem to cover the whole spectrum. Where uh, Mike is, I don't want to say a super fan, but he's a big fan of pretty much all of it. Joel likes most of it but more appreciates than laughs. I don't like most of it, but appreciate it. And Patrick seems to have no use for almost any of it. Yeah. Patrick well, doesn't understand. Uh, well, how about this, Patrick? Out of all, out of the five main actors that make up the, the show. Foley. Okay. <laughs> I was just curious. Now, what for the, for the other two of you who have seen the then and the now, is there a character that you appreciated more then versus the, who would be like your favorite now? And we'll talk about the now person later, but do you, do you have one that you liked better at, back then? I, I think the, tw- uh, the two Cathy's uh, Scott Thompson and Bruce McCulloch's uh, Cathy's are funnier as a callback than they were uh, back in the day. But was there one of the actors that stood out? Well, I've always liked Scott Thompson and Dave Foley more than the rest of them. What about you, Mike? Uh, you know, the easy answer is Dave Foley, but I think Kevin McDonald. He had a pretty funny arc on um on uh what was it, The King of Queens, I think. I don't know. He there was some sitcom he had a pretty funny arc on as a as a vicar in the church. I could see that. Yeah. I definitely was a Scott Thompson fan back in the day, like when it, this was on originally and I was, you know, watching little bits here and there in high school. He he was definitely my my pick. Back then. All right. Well, I think we've uh, talked about the kids long enough. Take a break and come back and talk about the new ones. Sounds good to me. Awesome. We'll be back in a little bit. All right, we are back. 
and uh, we're going to talk about the Kids in the Hall 2022. Hey, uh, real quick, on our Facebook page, I posted a question about to our listeners of who their favorite Kids in the Hall character or actor was. Uh, we got two responses. Uh, Dan Gus said, man, this looks like a cocoon redo for the, the picture from the new series. And uh, uh, Mike Kistler uh, said, I was obsessed with Comedy Central reruns back in middle and high school. I think Bruce was my favorite back then. Right now, I'd say Mark, but solely because of his part on Superstore. So thank you for the feedback. Yeah. And shout out to Dan. Dan was my buddy in high school, still is. And do you guys high know school? the the uh, what? No, he's not still in high school, you ding dong. Do you know I told about the let's go paintballing at two in the morning in a public park story? Yes. Okay. Dan was one of the other guys with me evading the police. Oh, I thought you were going to say he was one of the police officers. You guys just struck up a friendship and yeah. I thought you were going to say he was the public park. Oh, what a twist. Twist. He was the park. So we're talking about the kids in the hall 20. 22 just came out like three days ago last week it's brand new yeah Yeah. last friday uh brand spanking new on amazon prime the iconic canadian sketch comedy troupe the kids in the hall return from the dead with a reboot of their groundbreaking sketch series i wouldn't call it a i wouldn't call it a reboot no they're just continuing where they left off yeah right it's a continuation that acknowledges that the time has passed Right. A lot. It acknowledges the time has passed. Uh, This is, again, starring Dave Foley, Bruce McCullough, Kevin McDonald, Mark McKinney, Scott Thompson, and Paul Bellini. Although now they do occasionally have other people. Yes, they do. Which is kind of sort of. In the old episodes, they actually would have their family members come in and do it. So occasionally some of the episodes would have like Bruce McCullough's mom would be a character for a, for an episode or something like that. Uh, now they're actually tapping um, comedians now. So you had Fred, Fred Ernst, Fred Armisen, Armisen. Yeah. Fred Armisen was as the um, friends of the kids in the hall. Bit. There was a lot of those. Yeah. yeah. That's uh that bit seems to take one comedian from now who was always a fan of them playing a character who is a fan of them. But then you do get some that are in the skits, like you had mentioned, uh, Mike, uh, Jay Baruchel, Eddie Izzard, uh, Colin Mockery. Yeah, there were a lot of people that showed up inside the skits, too. I think Colin Mockery was the probably the biggest shock for me, because he is you do. Unless you see his eyes, that's where I finally got picked up on it. (laughs) Yeah. That uh, Colin Maku play, playing a uh, old English cop. But um, it's on season one. It's on Prime Video. Eight episodes. It starts off with a garage sale being run by a very hippie. Um, uh, that was Scott Thompson. Yeah. Yeah, it's Scott. yeah. Scott Thompson, where somebody pays $1 for a VHS copy of Brain Candy, which then breaks the curse because now it has finally made back all its money. Earth dollar, Earth money. One Earth one money, yes. Earth dollar. Earth yeah. money. Yeah. Earth dollar. One Earth dollar. And uh, Satan screams as, as they were the deal that they made with him. And 
now they're with Amazon and it cuts into the uh, unearthing of the kids in the hall from the grave that they were put in 30 years ago, dressed entirely the same, all in the same positions, same order and everything. And it's, I think the thing that made me laugh the hardest on that one was when they, it, they rolled off the dirt and Dave Foley or no, Bruce McCullough, Bruce McCullough's first question is, am I still the cute one? Yeah, that, no, was, that was Dave. Dave's the one that asked. Was it, was it Dave or was it yeah. Bruce? No, it was Dave. I, it was definitely Dave Foley. Yeah. Oh, okay. Am I still a cute one? And Dave Foley, holy crap, his hair went from brown to like pure white. (laughs) Well, they're in the Otherwise, yeah, otherwise he seems to have aged, I want to say almost the least. Mm -hmm. Outside of the hair, I think he looks the best out of all of them. Yeah, I mean, Kevin McDonald always kind of looked old. He's looking much older now. Yeah. Yeah, Scott Thompson looked pretty good too. Agreed. Yeah. So trivia I have on this one is if you got around to the Shakespeare's bust sketch, they used around 100 gallons of fake blood in making this sketch. That is my favorite sketch of the new series. Really? I I wish I'd gotten that far because I'm not going to lie, given my revelation in the first half, I dragged my feet on prepping for this. Oh. And... I really liked it. Like the 80 20 for me, where 80% was not funny, 20 was in then, flip flopped. And I found myself wishing I'd had more time to continue watching more of the new. And that's, that's something that uh, is interesting because my feelings on the original, like on the repeat, I've already, I'm already on my second viewing of the episodes because Laura wanted to watch it. And it's just as good the second time around. Uh, I feel like they have now purified and are kind of lasered in on kind of their comedy. Um, and it's, well, yeah. it's working for them. Yeah. It's like what, what we were saying before. It's like, they finally were in the very beginning of it. They were, they had an idea of what they were doing. They wanted to push the envelope, but they weren't sure how far they could go and still get the laughs. And now I think they, they've got their rhythm down. They know what makes people laugh. And, I loved it. I watched the entire series and Josh definitely, I think it's season or episode four where they have Shakespeare's bust. That's episode or, three, actually. It is three. Okay. Yep. Oh, so I just missed it. If I'd done one more. Yeah. It's just for a conversation. I don't want to ruin it for you, but still it's hilarious. There's a guy who's a super fan of Shakespeare, has all the books, likes to read, and he has a bust of Shakespeare in his living room and wishes that he would come alive. And then it gets hit by lightning. He comes running in there and the Shakespeare bust is talking to him. And they have this brief moment of wonderfulness. And then it starts bleeding out its arms and all the intestines fall out because he's just a bust. Funny. Okay. And the whole play, and then he winds up. Uh, Shakespeare winds up sit, sitting at his computer, watching Jackass all day. Also, I, I, I may have to continue with this because, like, like you said, they had 102 episodes of throwing everything at the wall, and I think they figured out what stuck. Hmm. Yeah. The, the the eight episodes are like fine tuned, like firing on all cylinders for the most part. There's occasionally a stutter, um, like the the bit 
Mike uh, with the uh, War on Patrol. That one I was kind of like, I don't that. Yeah, occasionally they had problems. the The War on Patrol one didn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense. The Friends of Mark, I thought, was that in the new series? Yeah, the Friends yeah. of Mark. Where everybody had the everybody had the flags that the the Friends yeah. of Mark. That was another one where I'm I'm kind of like, not sure. But Patrick, they make reference to a place called Shithole, Texas, in episode three. It's <laughs> <laughs> true story. Now, like one I've of the things there. that I. One of my favorite callbacks was Super Drunk, where they go back to Mr. Tizik, <laughs> the head crusher, who is holding, what's the name of the tower hostage? It's the only landmark in Toronto, right? Yeah, it's a, he's the, he's sitting like off the needle. C- CNN Tower or whatever? Yeah, yeah the, CN, tower. the CN Tower. Yeah, so uh, he's he's sitting in a lawn chair, and he's got his fingers set up to the CN Tower, and he's like, I am going to crush the tower. You cannot stop. He's all surrounded by police, and they're all, wait, you know, trying to stop him from crushing the tower and he's asking for a um a can of ginger ale a broken cuckoo clock and he's got a weird list of demands yeah i want a new lawn chair and and then super drunk comes in and stops him from crushing it by putting a shot glass in front of him and they can't see the tower anymore so he's like a force field almost yeah super drunk was pretty funny yeah i liked super drunk uh the, the Shakespeare bit, of course, was like I said, was was a good one. Oh, the the sixty and stripping or whatever. Yeah, that the was 60, funny. That was pretty funny. Yeah, sixty and on the pole. That's sixty it. and on yeah. the pole. Yeah. Well, I used to be an auto worker. Auto workers and strippers are in the same union, so I didn't lose my benefits. It's, well, I mean, you you kind of wonder what they're going to do to to step things up, and in that first episode. I, you know, without spoiling anything for Pat, I mean, they they pretty much put it all out there. And uh, yeah, they do. Yeah. You know, who you know, who's a Gentile. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> I was a little in shock. I mean, I was a little like, OK. And those the cop characters are they're a callback. Um, I don't know. if the, I assume they were in the original series, but they were in the 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 one from 2010. The death checks in. Yeah, I think they uh, had the cop characters in the old ones. Uh, the okay. specific scene with the devil was a callback too. Yep. Yeah, that was yep. uh, Bobby and the Devil. That's who he was torturing. Yep. But no, it's um, super absurd still. But I think they've got they got it. They've got it right. It, they're not that super psycho off the wall pulling oatmeal out of the box type of thing. Yeah, you don't have get... something like the eradicator, which is funny for 30 seconds and then goes on for six oh, minutes. No. Oh, the he, eradicator no, no. comes back. He's back. Okay, well hopefully it's funnier this time. It, it is. is. Yeah. Okay. Definitely was not the first time. Because well, because the eradicator, the eradicator. in this one the eradicator um is not uh it it's pretty much everybody calling him out. On this one, but it's my one of my fa- favorite ones also, and I know I don't want to start doing Just, going down this one, right. but the Chris the, Farley, yeah, yeah, I don't want Chris Farley this, but they did a whole thing on um, uh, cultural appropriation. Oh, <laughs> that one, um, where the the businessmen, uh, played by Scott Thompson. 
on his way to work, the shoes, you're only as young as your shoes. And he goes in and he buys a new pair of shoes on his way to work. And he comes out wearing clown shoes. Then he gets to work and there's been an anonymous complaint that they're firing him for that someone says his shoes are cultural appropriation. And it goes through this whole, can you tell me? No, it's anonymous. Well, why won't you? I need to know. No, you can't know. What if I guess? No, I think it was Bippo. And there's a clown standing right next to the desk <laughs> that they finally show. <laughs> and they're firing him for the clown shoes. And as they're walking, getting up and walking out, Scott Thompson turns to Dave Foley, who's playing like that, the, the boss that looks like he swallowed a barrel guy. Um, and goes, sir, are you by chance Dutch? And they look down and the boss is wearing wooden shoes. So they both get fired. Nice. Yeah, it's. It's clever. There's some twists on it. And, you know, it. it's their absurdist comedy has matured. That sounds right. Well, I mean, just look at the and and they're keeping up with the times, because if you look at like the Zoom call one, that the made Zoom me feel a one. bit uncomfortable. Like, <clears throat> no, no music, no music. And as soon as the music cut out, I went, OK, this just got a little bit more uncomfortable. It's it just it's just really cool well, to that- me. To see, you know, 60-year-old guys still being relevant. Oh, I thought you were going to say pulling a CNN or whoever it was on the CNN call that uh, started spanking it in the middle of that, everything. <laughs> it's it's just, but, I, but uh, you know, I mean, you think at some point people reach a certain age with, you know, actors or comedians where they got to, you know, they kind of change gears or they go to do something like they were comedians, but then they start doing serious acting. Or vice versa, like a Leslie Nielsen, where they're doing serious actors and they start becoming comedians. Right. And here's these guys that have gone off, done their, done their all their things, their separate projects, their you know kids' movies and whatever, and they come back, and they're just as relevant. I felt like, and they updated to meet the times, but still maintain what they started oh so many years ago. And I was impressed by that. It's I, funny. Yeah you bring up the uh, Zoom call sketch because the Zoom call sketch goes on with uh, them all masturbating for a long time. I had a repair guy in the house. (laughs) (laughs) Door closed to my office, so I had to turn the sound down. (laughs) So I was like, he's going to imagine what I'm watching in here. (laughs) (laughs) Or he's going to imagine you're just taking part in something. (laughs) Right? That's funny. Group's bank. That whole low information. (laughs) (laughs) What do you do? I I work for a school. Oh no. Well, I like I like it when Dave Foley is the boss. He's like, well, it just seems we're not going to get any work done today. It's that's where they make them. uh, They make him drink the uh, nanobots. Yeah. 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 It was so fizzy. (laughs) Don't look at my face. Don't look at my face. (laughs) It's my secret. (laughs) That's. But no, they um, some of the other uh, comedians that showed up on there was uh, Keenan Thompson. Yep. Was there Fred Armiston said Jay Baruchel, Catherine O'Hara, yep. Catherine Reitman, um, Samantha, Samantha B. B, and Paul Sun Hyung Lee, uh, Pete Davison. Yep. yep. Pete Davison was in the first one. Yep. Uh, and Mark Hamill. Yeah, Mark Hamill was in the last one. I think you might exhale out of your nose quickly a little bit more on this one, Patrick. 
Yeah, for Seriously. spoiler alert, for those of you that haven't figured it out by now, I did not watch any of the new... What? For time constraints and interest constraints, um, I, I, I was putting it off just like Josh did, and then by the time I realized my um, Amazon Prime had, had expired, I couldn't fix it and didn't really have the energy to go about finding a different route. When I, I couldn't find my normal, you know, when I couldn't find my normal ma- means, it didn't work. I was just like, okay, well, I'm not gonna do it, but maybe I'll check it out based on you guys. At least watch I'm the not, first episode. You know, it's 22 yeah. minutes of your life. That's all. Yes, but my life has, uh, well, no value. So yeah, all right, fine. You can talk me into it. Uh, <laughs> for that any was of a the, lot easier than I thought. <laughs> for any of you listeners out there who are fans, and I know there's, I know there's a lot of you just from various conversations we've had. Uh, I told the guys about this already, but on May 20th on Amazon, uh, they're releasing, uh, the kids in the hall comedy punks, which is a kind of a, uh, I think it's a two part documentary type thing about them. So if you're interested, uh, make sure to check that out as well. Yeah. Heads up. What if you're not All interested? Right. So, I mean, Heads we've kind of talked about how they uh adjusted their style how they got better and i don't know how much further we can go with this without just going deeper into the you remember that sketch (laughs) that was awesome well here's here's a question lorne michaels produced this both of these he's still the producer on this Mm -hmm. i was watching a interview with the group (laughs) on i'm glad you brought that up one of the late night shows i forgot which one it was and they had a conversation about, like, they sent a phone call. They called, they found out about him, and then they called up there to uh, to get him on the show. And I think it was, who answered the, they said they answered the phone. I think it was Bruce McCullough answered the phone, and they're like, oh, well, we'd love to kind of, you know, send a group from Saturday Night Live to come up and see you guys. We want to, you know, get a, we want to get uh, Lauren Michaels up there to see you guys. And he was like, oh, well. The show sold out. We're going to do another one in a couple months. So maybe you can get tickets to that. So thank you. And hung up. And it was like, and I'm not sure if it's true or not, if you hung up, but I can kind of see him saying that to them. But Lorne Michaels, this is not something that I can. I was actually, I had forgotten that he had produced this. And so not his wheelhouse, you know? Well, for all of the stories you hear about Lauren Michaels, I, I think one thing, whether uh, he can be a dick at times, especially to up and comers, he I think he understands how comedies intersect with markets. And I expect uh, some pushback, uh, especially on me and maybe a little bit on Patrick's from our Canadian contingent on Discord, uh, learning that we didn't really care for this, because I think that th- this is something that is probably funnier north of the border. And I think Lauren Michaels instinctively understands the differences between comedy for Canadian market and for the U S market. And that's why this is so different from Saturday night live. But also it's very similar, but you're hundred percent right. It's very similar in the aspect of we're going to make a whole bunch of skits and some of them are going to be good. And some of them are not. We're just going to see what lands. It's that it's similar in that aspect. Yeah, but the sense of humor, I think, is different. And oh, I yeah, 100%. Yeah, I'm talking the about reasons... the mechanics, the mechanics yeah. of the show. Yeah. I, and I'm just saying, I think one of the reasons it didn't land for you and me is because uh, 
it's catered to a different sensibility where in general, Saturday Night Live does make me laugh. E- even the things that uh, uh, don't land 100 percent. I think if you uh, compare classic kids in the hall to your average whenever Saturday Night Live, Saturday Night Live is usually going to win. I agree New with that. kids in the hall. OK, that changes the math a little bit because they just they got better at comedy. Mm hmm. Which and I gotta say, which, oh, which everybody but Andy Dick does, you know, you hope. And Tom <laughs> Green. Uh, well, okay, good point. With current kids in the hall, I'd have to say my my favorite now is is Mark McKinney, and that might be a little bit tainted because of uh, Superstore, but yeah, he's definitely in my wheelhouse nowadays. He had a lot of bigger roles in this one, also. He's also a workhorse. Like uh, that was the thing is I barely noticed Mark McKinney in the classics. But uh, he seems to have taken a very similar role to what Keenan Thompson has done on SNL, where he may not be the star of the scene, but he makes everyone else around him funnier. And there's a reference to that in in the last episode also, because they're actually talking about whatever whatever character Mark is playing. You know, that intense character that Mark is playing, they keep kind of referring to the fact that he's kind of he's carrying the scene, but he doesn't have a character that's named. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. I was like, what, which scene are you talking about? But I remember now. Yeah, where they have the, they have the zoomer in the cage and he's on his phone and they don't know what the hell, how, how they're, the whole, the whole scene is about they don't know how to entertain zoomers. Yeah. Cause they're on, they're just want to look at their phone and it was pretty, all of them scene. are playing themselves, but Mark is an unnamed character that is, yeah. Yeah. Whatever unnamed character Mark is playing right now. Honestly, I think Scott Thompson, probably my favorite character, his is the businessman. Uh, the whole glory hole bit, the uh, flamboyant uh, tour guide who, who had this long history with gay bars, that, that whole bit made me laugh. Yeah. It's Buddy, right? Yeah, Buddy was it a was throwback buddy. to the last to the originals, too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I may not be as familiar uh, it, with all of the classic bits as you guys are. Yeah, he's he's definitely an, an original, one of the original big, the big characters from that. Yeah, I going on I mean, before we get to close, but I just want to say that they, these guys, I think the big difference is, is that on Amazon, they're been giving a lot more free reign than they were. And even on HBO in 88. And a lot more money, too. Right. There's a lot more production value. And as soon as it started, I was like, whoa, this is a different show. Yeah, it you doesn't know. look like it was done in the garage or alley. Right. Correct. And when they go in for a joke, when everybody's all in for something, everybody is all in on the joke on this now. So I think they've just reached their point where, you know, they have their shows and movies and stuff that they've done. They're making their residuals and they've kind of got the FU money. So sure, why not? They're doing what they want to do now. And God bless them, really. So here's a question based on the way that uh, since I mean, uh, since you finished the series like I did, Mike, do you feel like they've left it open for more or is this just a one off thing? Well, I think they left they deliberately left it on a cliffhanger. And what was it they were they were going to do the last episode was going to have nothing but punchlines and the first episode on the next season is going to have nothing but setups. Something like that. I, I th- yeah. think they want to. I think they've got a lot more lot more uh, steam in the tank. I think they can do another season and still 
you know, they have more than enough characters throw to throw back to. They have more than enough stuff that they can pull, re, you know, I don't say recycle, but bring to the current time type of thing. Like the businessmen sketch, like Josh was talking about the Zoom call thing. You know, that is just translating the business jokes from then to now. You know, and the characters still fit. And I agree with Josh. I think the two Karens with the fax machine scene in the first uh, first episode that I thought was hilarious. Um, but I definitely think that they would be able to pull at l- two, maybe three more seasons out of what they got. I'm I'm hoping they continue because eight episodes just I mean, to start, especially it's nice because it was condensed and it was like, you know, drinking a a a jolt cola instead of a Coke zero um, and too much might've worn a little thin, but I would like to see more. So I'm kind of hoping that, that they do actually come back again, but it seemed like, uh, cause it didn't take it buried again at the end. I don't remember. Now I'm drawing a blank. All of a yeah. I think that, I think they did get buried again at the end. So they'd have to figure out how to every overcome season, that every season opener, they get dug up again. Could for be. some some various <laughs> reason. Yeah. So nope, are here's we to hoping. ready? Ready for yeah, thumbs up, thumbs down then. Or whatever that was. Somebody was revving up the thumbs up machine. <laughs> Wait, we have a machine for that now? Everything is getting automated, Joel. Wait, we have a machine for that now? There you go. Wait, goes. we have a machine for that now? Oh, Robo Joel is fucking up. The Joel machine stuck. Yeah. Well, I was going to remove the noise that just popped up on my phone, but <laughs> you guys turned it into a bit. So. <laughs> it's like somebody says, I'm typing, get rid of noise here. Ah, shit, it's a bit already. God bless it. <laughs> but no, I mean, thumbs up, thumbs machine down. Machine for that nope. now? Oh, God. Someone smacked Joel. He's stuck in a groove. <laughs> really, Pat? That? That's what did it. Yeah, who knew? I had a, I had a mouthful of soda. I almost did a spit take. <laughs> All right, thumbs up, thumbs down for the original. I'm going to go with Joel and me. Thumbs up, thumbs up. Agreed. I agree with Mike. Thumbs up. And I'm not as enthusiastic a thumbs down as Patrick is, but I will have to go thumbs down. Damn it. <sighs> you know... Just going back to that a moment ago. Thought I was about to get yelled at. Yeah. No. Patrick, <laughs> you know, Patrick. You, someone rub his face in that joke. Um, disappointment to us all. I said, just the phrase I said, I was stuck in a groove. I said that to someone. I can't remember who or I was, I, where it was, but I remember I said that out loud. Oh, they're just stuck in a groove. And I got a blank look from the person. Yeah. We're getting that. That makes through. sense. Yeah, we're about to be we're kind of, about to be fifteen going on fifty. So I don't know. Uh, maybe we should. We is that something we should do? Should we put a poll out there? Should we change our name? <laughs> Good God! Reboot, reboot. Yeah. No. Anyway, yeah. So uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm not gonna I'm gonna abstain from voting on the now because I didn't watch it. But yeah. And I think Give, it's pretty obvious because uh, I'm a thumbs up on the uh, on the relaunch of the continuation of kids in the hall for the now. Yeah. Give the first episode a chance, Pat. <laughs> I, I won't, I won't say no. How about that? That's the best I can give you. I got $20. It's the best I can offer. 
Twenty dollars is twenty dollars. Oh, Joel. I'm definitely a thumbs up. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. All right. Uh, and if you have your thoughts on maybe your favorite uh, Kids in the Hall sketch, you want to try and put more pressure on Pat to uh, listen to the relaunch. Uh, you have anything to say about show ideas, let us know. Give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Yep. And if you're looking for our older stuff, you can find it everywhere. Find them on your favorite podcast apps, such as Podbean or Pandora. If you enjoy the show, you can leave us a message or a note or a thumbs up or thumbs down on Apple, Google, or Amazon podcasts. And you can also support us through the Kofi link in the show notes and help us keep internet money cost things at bay. Joel, what do we have coming up? Well, uh, I've got a couple of big things happening. We got uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. It's going to be dropping on Friday. Uh, we're going to be talking about some house party jamma jams. And there's a whole slew of other stuff that's coming up, but we're going to let you know more as it happens. So hold on tight. going to keep it secrets for now. There's just too many there to read. Plus, we don't know when we're doing them yet. So we'll kind of, you know, wait yeah. till we shuffle them around. So secret, we can get bored of something. Are no fun. Secret secrets hurt someone. Got a secret. Wait, they have an app for that now? Oh, wait, it was a machine. Damn it. Oh, Joel blew his own bit. I blew my own bit. Oh, if he could do that, he'd never leave his house. We're out. Good night. We'd never get a podcast done if he could do that. Oh, you're so right. Teen Patrick. Teen Patrick. I've got my whole future ahead of me. Teen Patrick. Teen Patrick. I'm going to stop this rising star. Teen Patrick. Teen Patrick. Wow. <laughs>